Perhaps nothing is more central to our Appalachian heritage than storytelling. We tell our stories not only in words and songs, but also through how we live out our common life together. Inspire Appalachia is about telling the stories of people who are leaning into problems and changing lives. It's about getting real and sharing your challenges authentically with courage, conviction, and creativity. So that by engaging our passions and imaginations, we cultivate resilience in order to create a brighter future for ourselves, our families, our friends, and our region. So pour yourself a glass of sweet tea, pull up a chair, and listen to these stories of people who are changing lives. And these stories may very well change yours. Welcome everyone. We're here at the birthplace of country music with Leah Ross and we're recording today from the McLaughlin Foundation Performance Arts Center here at the birthplace of country music museum. So welcome Leah. Hey I'm excited to be here. I've never done a podcast so this is exciting. Well great. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're looking forward to it. Um, so Tell us, what was special about growing up in the pound? You know, it, it was different back then than it is now um, because I'm 66, so I'm, I'm, I consider myself a young 40. <laughs> but anyhow, you know, back in those days, you could leave home in the morning and just just go from neighborhood. There wasn't a lot of neighborhoods, but it was just being able to go out and have fun and play with all your friends. I know that our yard was a gathering point because my dad didn't care if we were wearing out the grass. He didn't care if if there was 50 kids in the yard. I can remember on Sundays sometimes he would put all the kids in the car and take them across the river or to get popsicles or something. So, you know, it was a happy time. I think it taught you the value of a friendship. He, he was very big on teaching us the value of family because we had, you know, my mother was from Russell County and he's from Wise County. So every summer, my cousins would come spend a week with us and there was 18 of us. So we were gone and they were there. And then we would go to Russell County and spend time with them or we would go to Buchanan County in Virginia. So uh, I think it was just a foundation for me to understand the importance of what family means. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the pound, which uh, for our listeners benefit, uh, that's Pound, Virginia. Correct. A um, uh, uh, very beautiful place. It has uh, a state park there, right? It does. Yeah. So a lot of outdoor activities in the pound. You know, today. I was a bowling from over there. And, and if anybody tells you they're bowling the Mullins or a Cantrell, most of the time you're going to assume they're from southwest Virginia. <laughs> All right. Just like the Matinees are from Swords Creek. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Very good. Um, so uh, it sounds like it was a beautiful childhood, wonderful childhood. Um, but there were also challenges growing up. There definitely was challenges. You know, my dad was a coal miner. I'll tell you a quick story. He worked in the mines in Jenkins, Kentucky. And, you know, you always worry about... I think their mothers do, your mothers do, about the safety, et cetera. And one day, uh, one of his workers came carrying his lunchbox to the yard. And my mother just sits down because she knows he's going to give her bad news. And he did give her some bad news, but not to the extent that she thought he was going to. He had dropped a power saw on him in the mines and had to have over 200 stitches in his leg. So it was an exciting time for us because he was off work for a while. So we had dad home quite often. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, uh, you've told me before that growing up uh, 
because Pound is at a relatively low elevation, particularly in a mountain region, uh, there were lots of floods. Can you tell us about those? There was. You know, they don't have them anymore because they built the dam. But in 57, we were in a flood in Pound, Virginia that got a foot over our refrigerator. And in the, I think it was 64, it got 36 inches. And what you don't understand if you've never been in a flood, I mean, you have to reach rip out all your walls and stuff. So I was thinking about the folks in here in Florida that lost all those houses, but you know, anything like that is devastating to a community mm-hmm. and how you build back, I mm-hmm. think is because you have a community that cares for each other and they're out there helping each other. Oh, okay. So it sounds like a lot of these early experiences really uh, shaped you in uh, very special ways. Uh, Tell us a little bit about uh, how those experiences maybe have shaped your life and uh, taught you uh, lessons that you've uh, been able to live out and share with your children. You know, I think one of the things that I have enjoyed in my lifetime is working in a community or being involved in something and especially my dad I remember you know when we lived in Lebanon he helped build the church that was there when when the flood was going on he was out there helping and rescuing people so I think he shaped my love for being involved with the community and you know I started out volunteering when I worked for Wellmont or when I worked for waste management and It really, that's what fed my soul, I believe. It's what brought me to where I am today. And I think that anyone that gives into their community, they find out what their true passion is. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful story, Leah. So um, since you run a music and the arts organization, tell us what were some of the musical influences uh, that shaped you as you were growing up in the Pound and in Lebanon? Well, you know, we are... At the birthplace of country music, which is really a lot of traditional music. And my dad was a bluegrass lover, and he was a uh, traditional country. Now, I like traditional country, don't care too much for today, but I was growing up not a huge fan of bluegrass. But I do remember going to the fairs in Wise in Russell County, and you had Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs, or you had Ralph Stanley. And I enjoyed those live, but just to listen to them on the radio, I, I hate to say this, Roger, but in my youth, I love folks like Steppenwolf. I love Sly and the Family Stone. But I like Tom Jones, and I liked um, Marty Robbins. So, I mean, my my taste was much wider. Now, my dad didn't like that thump, thump, thumping of drums. <laughs> That's kind of funny because uh, uh, one of the things I read about is uh, that I, I wasn't aware of until uh, just recently is that you got to tour Steven Tyler from Aerosmith through the birthplace of country music museum. I did. And you know what was interesting, and, and I've done several of those for the racetrack, is how much knowledge they have of Bristol. I mean, if an artist is a true artist and, and wants to connect or understand where music came from, they're very intent on on listening to it. I presented him with a box set of the 1927 Bristol Sessions, which was very exciting, and he was exciting to receive it. But he was a great guy, and and he likes many different musics other than just his. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Well, uh, so 
Let me ask this question, Leah. If you could play any instrument, what would you play? You know, if I could play any instrument, I would play a fiddle. And I don't play an instrument, but I love the sound of a fiddle when someone's not afraid of it. I mean, I like them to tear the fiddle up. Um, I have several guitars that have been given to me, and my goal is to learn how to play the guitar. But if I could play any instrument, it would be the fiddle. <laughs> Very good. Um, so tell us, what uh, what artists are you listening to right now? Well, what I'm listening to right now, I'm, I'm always listening to the Black Lilies. I've got to say that, okay, because, you know, that's my favorite band. But I listen to more traditional music. I listen to Radio Bristol. Um, and so if I'm listening to something, even in my home, I get my Bluetooth out and I'm listening to Radio Bristol. Because when I listen to Radio Bristol, and I know it may sound like a commercial, but I might hear blues one minute and I might hear rock and roll, but I might hear a bluegrass or a traditional country won't hear much today's country but that's what i listen to mostly because it gives me a great variety oh wow you, you've also mentioned um that growing up there weren't a lot of opportunities to listen to live performance music that's uh that's you know really interesting to me because you know, southwest virginia is a hotbed of bluegrass and country music uh, artists uh, so many have come from the hills and hollers of southwest virginia but yet you f- you said growing up there was uh, you know, it was kind of limited huh you know there wasn't a lot in pound uh, i do remember that my dad would have people over periodically mostly when we moved to lebanon on a saturday night or something to just pick and Pick and grin, I guess that's what we called it. But there wasn't. I mean, you think about Pound. um, We had a movie theater, but we didn't have a performance theater. There wasn't a lot of festivals at that time. I remember going to one when I was in high school, other than the fairs that came through every year. Uh, And it was in Gate City, Virginia, and it was Johnny Cash in June and the Statler Brothers. And it seems like there was one other group, but I can't remember. And I remember, uh, this is a story, one of my high school friends, because people had tried to get upstage or back backstage, and he bet me that I, ten dollars that I couldn't get backstage. <laughs> and if you know me, I got backstage, <laughs> and I even held uh, John Carter Cash for about five minutes while they were packing up their instruments. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you tell him that story when he was recording uh, all the all the films and uh, for the for the museum? You know, when we when we renamed uh, one of our streets Carter Family Way when we were paying tribute to those that were in the 1927 sessions i told his aunt that story and she told me well that's what happened to him all these years ago that i dropped him on his head (laughs) (laughs) that's a wonderful story leah so uh, we're going to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor summit marketing and then we'll be back to talk uh, more about the birthplace of country music and uh, your career thank you i've got my roots down Summit Marketing, a division of the Summit Companies, is a full-service marketing firm with locations in Bristol, Kingsport, and Johnson City, Tennessee. We're a passionate bunch of people who feel truly fortunate to not only work in an industry we love, 
but also with clients and industries that truly excite us. Innovate, create, inspire is a motto that has formed based on the relationships we have built with our partners. As a team, we work together to provide innovative ideas, creative concepts, and inspirational work to serve our clients' needs. We work to build strong relationships with everyone by always providing quality, original work. In the simplest terms, our business is to help make your organization better. I am resilient. I trust the movement. I negate the chaos. Uplift the negative. I'll show up at the table again and again and again. I'll close my mouth and learn to live. Welcome back. We're here at the Birthplace of Country Music with Executive Director Leah Ross. Welcome back. It's good to be back. Yeah, so um, leading an internationally known music and the arts organization is perhaps a second or third, maybe even fourth career for you. Uh, so tell us, um, how, did you, how did you end up in this role? Who were some of the people behind it, and, and, how, did, and how did that happen? You know, I ended up in this role, and, and, and I believe it... it I've been very fortunate. You know, I first started out working for your dad, Frank Leonard, at Lime Power. And he really taught me good work ethics, being on time and all that stuff. But from there, working at uh, Wellmont, the Bristol Regional Medical Center, and then working with Waste Manage, which were two of my long careers before I came to this, really gave me the opportunity to be involved in the community. When Wellmont merged with Houston Valley and uh, Bristol Regional, I was put on that team to help lead that merger so that we could all work as a team. So I think those experiences I used to put on the health fair at Bristol Regional. So those experience really taught me what it took to bring people together, how to work out those logistics and make sure that we had everything that we needed to have a successful event. Mm-hmm. So you came to this organization first as a volunteer uh, for Rhythm and Roots, is that right? It, exactly. When they decided in the year 2001 uh, that they wanted to uh, have a music festival, and we'd had festivals before. We had Autumn Chase, which was awesome, but our community supported it but never bought into it and made it what it could be you know um, I learned logistics there and Wallace Coffee, who was a great supporter of the community worked for the newspaper had a lot to do with bird watching in mm-hmm. in uh reintroducing at, eagles into this region of the country yes he did yeah. he did a great job with that mm-hmm. he told me one day he says Leah I really like you being a part of this because I think I could tell you I needed a lime green bus with purple polka dots and you'd find a way to get it and I'd have it the next day. <laughs> and so, you know, just, just, but those people influenced me and gave me that opportunity to grow. And um, I think when you get involved in the community, mm-hmm. you get that opportunity. I also think, and, and I, you know, I, one of my greatest honors was being able to speak at commencement at Virginia. Virginia Highlands Community College, because I always thought, you know, anybody that gets to ask that, they're pretty special. So when they asked me that, it was very special to me. And what I talked about to that student body was volunteerism, because you may think, because I went to school for uh, accounting. I got a degree in 
accounting Mm -hmm. and then business administration because I thought I was going to do something there. But my passion I learned was through volunteering for my community and and being able to be a part of an organization that really made a difference in their community. And uh, Rhythm and Roots certainly has made a difference. Oh, yes. Uh, that was the question. Place of country yeah. music, yeah. So in 2001, they called me and said, Leah, would you do the logistics for the festival? And I said, sure. And so I started out with our first festival in 2001. I did the logistics. And then midway through, the person that was supposed to chair the festival um, had to leave for some reason. And David Shoemaker, who who was a mayor of Bristol at that time, really is the one who had the idea to have a music festival. So they asked David and I to co-chair. So we co-chaired. And then the next year, I was the chair, and I was still volunteering. And at the end, of, and I had tried to get them to hire me, but they said they couldn't afford me. And at that time, I was working for waste management again i worked for them two times and um after that fifth festival we were standing there on a sunday afternoon because we'd had some mishaps not bad things the public didn't necessarily know about it and uh, i was standing there with some board members and i said you know what you need to get the board together and let me come talk to him because i don't think you can afford not to hire me so um i met with the board and they hired me, and the rest is history. <laughs> so what were some of the really positive surprises that you've experienced as you've taken on this uh, role, as you've brought the Rhythm and Roots reunion and the Birthplace of Country Music Alliance together to create the Birthplace of Country Music organization? You know, I think our challenge was um, Bristol Rhythm and Roots reunion had grown to be a big success and something of pride. The Birthplace of Country Music Alliance was doing great things, but they were, you know, they started raising money for this museum right when 9-11 happened. So, you know, money dried up at that time, and uh, it was difficult for them. And John Ranero is really the one that started that conversation. He, he, We were at a Border Bash, which is a summer concert series that we have in downtown during the summer, and he says, Leah, what do you think about merging the Birthplace of Country music and alliance and rhythm and roots and I went no way but I think what happened is when we started talking about it our community really wanted to see the museum they believed in rhythm and roots and they thought it would be a great marriage and get us to where it should be and I like to think that um my leadership and and the people serving on both of those boards saw that value and um i mean we're sitting in the museum and you see what happened from that merger i mean we are a destination we are promoting i mean you think about the festival this year we had visitors from 40 some states and six foreign countries we have people listening to our radio station in over 140 countries and we've had visitors in our museum from all the united states and over 60 countries in the in the world so it was meant to be it was a marriage that was meant to be (laughs) well that's uh that's awesome the statistics are just mind-blowing um so with that background where would you like to see the birthplace of country music organization be in 10 years? You know, we are we started a, a, a fundraising campaign last year to really make our museum be sustainable because 
on a national average, only 30% of your funding comes from paid admissions and or events that you have. So you have to figure out ways that you do that through more events. So we started this fundraising, and I'd like to think in 10 years, hopefully we have an endowment that will help us be here for many generations to come that um, we have the staff that we need. We do a lot with a very short staff, but I think as we grow and people understand the value that this is not only to Bristol, but to our region, that they'll understand the value or hope they will of supporting our organization and not only giving of their dollars, but giving of their time and their knowledge in all that we do. Outstanding. Well, that's awesome. So, Leah, we're going to take a break. Okay. And we're going to hear a message from our feature organization, uh, the Birthplace of Country Music Museum, Radio Bristol, and Rhythm and Roots. We'll be back in a moment. Down, 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 down deep. I've got my roots down, 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 down deep. I've got my roots down, down, down. It's the place that has inspired musicians for generations with a legacy that continues to impact the soundtrack of our lives. Visit Bristol, Tennessee, Virginia, the birthplace of country music, home of the legendary 1927 Bristol Sessions. Discover how the Bristol Sessions created the big bang of country music through breathtaking films, soundscapes, and interactive exhibits at the birthplace of country music museum, an affiliate of the Smithsonian Institution. Dance in two states at Bristol Rhythm and Roots Reunion in September, an annual celebration of the region's rich musical heritage. Tune in to Radio Bristol online and through a free mobile app for original programming that explores new and forgotten recordings, the very best in Roots Radio. Plan your next getaway to Bristol, Tennessee, Virginia, the birthplace of country music. Visit birthplaceofcountrymusic.org to learn more. Music with Executive Director Leah Ross. So um, we've talked a lot about your growing up in the Pound in Lebanon, Virginia. Uh, we've talked about your career, your work experience in the for-profit world and the not-for-profit world. You know, this segment we're really going to focus on maybe advice you have for others who want to follow in your footsteps or do something similar. Uh, leadership lessons that you would like to share um, with others. So you lead a uh, internationally famous music and the arts organization. How would you like to see music shape the next generation? You know, I want my grandchildren, because I had this for my children, I want them to experience many different genres of music. I think when we pigeonhole ourselves into one genre, whether it be bluegrass or heavy metal or something, that we're missing out on all the talent that's out there you know i when my daughter i've bought many concert tickets for her she's been to alan jackson to you two and uh boys to men and i think for young people don't think you just like um 
pop music because my grandchildren love pop music, but they've learned like they like Oak Crow. They love the Avett Brothers. They like uh, they won't admit it, but my granddaughter loves Marty Stewart because uh, <laughs> my sister has introduced him. So I would say, you know, go to festivals, pay to go see music. Don't just expect music to be free because I think when we expect when we have so much free music around us, we don't really value music to the full extent. I mean, pay for those tickets. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something really special about attending a live performance that you can never expect uh, or never experience uh, listening to Spotify or. You can't. You know, I have I have CDs sent to me all the time, and I'll listen to them, and I went, oh, I don't really care for that, but I can go see them live, and my whole feeling about that artist or my whole impression about that artist changes because there's something about an artist that is performing because that's a passion for them and you see it in their stage presence and if they if they're good and they have a good stage presence they're going to grow but if they don't have that stage presence it doesn't matter how good they are they're not they're not going to garner those fans I don't think well, you've done a lot to bring live music to this region in a really big way. Um, you've also done a lot to bring the history of our musical heritage to this region. And that leads us to think about how important it was for the birthplace of country music and rhythm and roots to come together. You know, um, you and I both share the experience of trying to bring two competing organizations uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, together, uh, me and healthcare and you and the arts. So... Um, uh, it took you, you know, a couple of years to bring those two organizations together. That was quite a challenge, wasn't it? It was, and I, I think that I could. Uh, an example of importance of us merging together is everybody loved the festival, but we didn't have a platform as a festival like we have had with the birthplace of country music. Because when you think about the festival, they're coming here for one event. But when you think about Bristol being the birthplace of country music, you're thinking about a destination. I want to come and I want to find out about it. And I think the importance once that happened, you know, I've been to, um, I've been to two, uh, really three trips to uh, the UK to promote travel to Bristol because of our music. And it came about because we were the birthplace of country music and we built a museum and we had a lot going on. My first trip was Governor McAuliffe. I went and we invited all this press and the and it was right before we opened. So it was to, to encourage people to come here. And we saw a great uh, articles uh, from that visit Bristol was named one of the top places to visit in the world by um, National Geographic. And then I went with Tennessee Tourism a couple years ago for a festival they have over there called Country to Country. And they had all American, not all, but the ones, I I mean, they had Brad Paisley, they had... uh, um, Reba McIntyre, and but what it what it did it was it introduced that audience to our festival and to the birthplace of country music, and we've had uh, visitors from there. And then there's a guy named Balin Leonard who is from Bristol, and he's lived in the UK for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. Well, Universal Music started a festival over there called the Long Road, and not at this past festival, the past festival before, they came to see us after Rhythm and Roots and said, 
we want the birthplace of country music to have a presence at our festival. And it was called The Long Road. And so we took three artists from Virginia over there this year. We already, and, and when we were over there, one person had started following Folk Soul Revival mm-hmm. because they had seen them in the in Big Stone Gap from the UK. And their siblings were on the way to the United States to come to our festival, and they're coming next year. So I think that merger opened up doors that us individually wouldn't have been able to open up. Just like the merger that you went through, I think it opens up opportunities for our community that might not have otherwise been opened. That's right. But it's a very hard thing to do. Why do you think it is uh, so why is it so difficult for not-for-profits to collaborate, work together, and even if if it's beneficial to the community to merge? You know, I think part of it is because um, nonprofits are always fighting for that dollar or trying to search for that dollar to keep their head above water. And um, but I think when you start. Um, doing things together because grants now are are asking you who do you partner with how can their dollars go much further so I I think it's you know and we're so proud and so protective of what we do sometimes we don't want to share with others but I think if we can get past that we really see the advantage of not not all things to merge but ways to um partner with each other to introduce what you're doing to a new audience and what they're doing to your audience and it really makes a difference I think. And so there are a lot of partnerships developing also uh, within the arts community and the tourism communities between the Tri-Cities region which uh, for our listeners is is uh, Bristol, Kingsport and Johnson City and includes uh, other towns uh, like Abingdon, Virginia, Jonesboro, Tennessee where the International Storytelling Festival is, in Virginia, the State Theater of Virginia. Definitely. Um, you know, we, we, when we're going to recruit tour buses to ours, we've got to talk about things to do other than just the museum or other things than just the festival because you want to keep them a, a long time. You know, we do a festival over in Wise, Wise County called Route 23, and we partner with the college over there because they need to hear the music too, and it, and it it just opens up so many doors that otherwise, if you're just standing alone, you might not be able to open, I think, sometimes. I think you can't be afraid to do that. When you work on fear, then you really limit what you can do. That is so true. So what advice do you have for for young people or maybe folks who are looking at a second career uh, uh, in the not-for-profit arena, what advice would you give them for making that transition from for-profit to not-for-profit? You know, I th- find a way to get involved with them, whether they're having an event and you can volunteer for it or uh, you can do internships. You know, we do a lot of internships, and we just have some girl that's with us right now that really wants to get into the music business and, and management. So, do internships if you're in college or even in high school you know you can do insurance but I think volunteering just if you think you like something find a way to get involved with them and that might find where your true passion is that's what happened to me mm-hmm. very good well we've had a wonderful conversation today Leah this has been just 
fabulous. I love being with you. We've known each other since... Uh, since you were a kid, Roger, because <laughs> I worked for your dad. <laughs> I guess since I was about 13, and I've just loved uh, loved watching everything you've done through the years. So thank you for, uh, for taking time out of your really busy schedule to be with us today and um, for your leadership in our community and for being a very special person in many people's lives, including my own. Well, thank you for letting me do this. I'm always excited when I can tell how a great area that we live in, not only in music, but in beauty, too. I mean, our region's the most beautiful. It certainly is. Thank you very much. Thank you. Inspire Appalachia is a production of Summit Marketing. Our producer is Rick Keller, and Jacob Gilliam is managing editor. Roger Leonard is director and host. The Inspire Appalachia intro is Fine Times at Our House, performed by five-time Grammy Award-winning mandolinist Adam Steffi. Our musical interludes are from Resilient by Rising Appalachia. Led by vocal and multi-instrumentalist sisters Lee Song and Chloe Smith. To learn more about our podcast or to hear more from today's guest, please see our Aftercast section on our website at inspireappalachia.org. That's Appalachia, not Appalachia. <laughs>